time for another episode of Pats from the Past podcast. Matt Smith alongside Brian Morey, and we're pleased today to be joined by former Patriots defensive lineman Jarvis Green. Jarvis, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great. Um, let's see. Last we knew Jarvis, and to help Patriot fans, it's January 2021. It's uh, We're taping this on the 21st. I knew that you were in the shrimp business. Mm-hmm. I believe that that is, uh, is it? Something ninety seven. Help me. Yeah, out. it's uh, Ocean's ninety seven. Ocean's ninety seven. Yes, know. sir. I, I'm. I got the movie. Oh, you got uh, confused. Ocean's eleven. Yeah. yeah so People Ocean's eleven. That. Ocean's ninety seven. So you're still in the shrimp business. Yeah, still in the shrimp business. But yes, you're sir. doing other things. You're an entre- a real deal entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Why don't, why don't we tell Patriot fans what you're up to these days? Uh, so I, I have my shrimp business, Ocean's ninety seven. Uh, right now, most of my product is like uh, in the southern states, you know, Gulf Coast, and then uh, I have, I'm on Amazon. So that's kind of where I've been been living you know with COVID the fact that we can't do in-store demos and all of that you know so so hopefully at some point we're going to come up here but uh it is what it is right now so also but I'm up here because I have a uh app you know I'm a team member with a company called Chef to You and it's going to be like the you got the Grubhubs you got the uh Uber Eats you got those different type of food apps but this app is more about a chef delivering uh a meal you know to the to the customer more of a is, are you looking at a high end sort of a thing yeah. as opposed no it's disrespect all over. to fast food no 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 it's all over but the thing about this app is that all the traditional fast food chains will never build that app mm-hmm. it's more about the uh, the chefs so it, it won't be the McDonald's Pizza Hut Burger King Domino's Chick Fil A ever but it's about the app and it's like local restaurants chef owners you know people that you know that because that today in this world chefs are I mean they are superheroes you know they got the white hat the white cape and I think right now. It's a perfect time for us, but this app has been created maybe, well, we've been talking about it, working on it for four years now, but now this is the perfect time where just because of the industry, hospitality business is shut down, and a lot of people need more opportunities, and I think this app will help those chefs. And so it'll be like if I if I reach out through the app and I want to eat at Davio's, the chef at Davio's will be listed. Yeah. And then you, I can pick from the menu that yes. that chef has provided. Yes, or you would just say, I want Italian. You know, or Chinese. Okay. You know, so like, so yeah, so it would be that chef face. You know, you go into a virtual kitchen and voila. And so that chef has listed a couple of items that he, that he or she is making that evening. Yes. For the app. Yes, yes. And then we have different parts of it: catering, we have food truck, bartenders, baristas, private chefs, chef meals. You know, you know. So and we also have the instant meals to go, just like the traditional um, food apps. Just like a defensive lineman to get into selling food. Absolutely. Yeah, I love to eat. But it so, sounds like you're keeping busy for sure. Yeah, we stay pretty busy. Uh, it's, it's nonstop. I, I know last year um, when COVID hit around March, that's when my business like went from, I mean, you know, 100 to, to, to two miles an hour. You know, so we had to change, had to pivot. And you know how some things, uh, you know, you have. For me, I'm going to say this. The way I live life is that I try to make sure that I can cross every bridge that, that, that I that I see or try to walk over and keep those relationships with people. So I got into PPE when, when COVID hit, and it kind of started with working with the corrections, uh, corrections down south, uh, Angola, and then from that uh, I was able to win some government bids, and I stayed busy delivering PPE, sanitizer, uh, things you know, of such you know, for the first-line workers. And you're still you're living in Baton Rouge. I'm in Baton Rouge now. I just bought a house like six months ago. Congratulations! Thank you. Do Ooh. they want uh, Ogeron's head after last year? No, they, they are they okay no, with it? They they okay. And I know okay. it, it's crazy too. I'm bragging a little bit. So I sell bass and PP to the LSU football team. So I'm always around. 
And this year was very, very difficult. After going 15 and 0 the year before, uh, J- Joe Burrow, uh, I mean, that, you know, the team, Coach Ogeron, I mean, he, he recruited me when he was at Syracuse. So I loved the guy to death. <laughs> but it, it was so bad. I mean, then the fact that you couldn't tailgate, it made things worse. And, oh, man. And then again, everybody see Coach Saban with Alabama winning the national championship. So it stinks in Baton Rouge right now, but nobody wants his head. Okay, so that's a nice pivot. I mean, point just right won the there, national right. title a year right. earlier. I mean, you wanted his, if they wanted his head that quickly, that's right. that's a pretty tough gig. Absolutely, very but, tough. So you mentioned Coach Saban and Kay Feezy's down right. there. I was going to mention Kay Feezy. Yeah, um, is he doing all right? He's doing great. I mean, I saw him a couple of times when, when I'm inside the uh, you know in, in the coaches and in, in the locker room, and I see him walking around, and like, he's happy. Yeah, just to be there. I mean, he's the great. Kevin Falk, all the numbers he put up, but to be the running back coach there, hometown boy, you know, of Louisiana, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, he has a smile at the Grinch. Just, That's great. Yeah. He's a Pat's from the Past podcast. Yes. Right? That's he's right. A, yeah, yes, he's, he's a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, you mentioned Saban, uh, Jarvis. When you were in college and you played for Nick, did you ever think in that experience at college, well, this I, there can't be a harder coach than this guy, right? I mean – like there, this is. If I can play for this guy, I can play for anybody. Was that your thought, maybe in college? I'm gonna say we got the worst because when he left Michigan State, it was so much going on. Nobody wanted him there. I remember I used to be one of the guys that said we just beat them. We beat them 45-26 in the Independence Bowl. You know, and we was like, why is he coming to LSU? What, what he's going to bring to LSU that we that we never had? Who did he replace? Coach Denardo, Gary Denardo. Oh, okay, yeah. Notre Dame, yep. Indiana. And he came in, and those first two years were, was hell, complete hell, eight weeks of off-season workouts. He ran us to death. I mean, everything was something different, and it was unique. But at the same time, he knew what he was doing. But I think at the same time, he was, was going back to the drawing board as well because he had a, he had, no, that's a big opportunity for him coming from Michigan State. He was like a 500 coach. Oh, I don't know, 600 winning percentage. It wasn't like he was right. Yeah. a savior. Yeah, he wasn't a savior. He wasn't winning Big Ten championships back-to-back. Right. right. You know, and then he come to LSU and turn the program completely around. And you look at him now, seven national championships? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, and I know and his guys, first one at LSU. Yeah, and a lot of guys that's there with him now, some of those guys were LSU back in the day, and, you, and, you, and I haven't talked to Saban in a couple of years, but I should see him here and there. And, and you know, we, we, we talked on the phone a couple of times. He's the same guy. He's just intense, you know. And for the guy to go every year and just to have the success he has, I mean, he's doing something phenomenal and it's unique. So he left LSU to go to the Dolphins. Right. Were you surprised that he didn't last that long in the NFL? Now, he chose to leave to go to Alabama. They didn't fire him in Miami. But he obviously wasn't having, I mean, he was only there a couple of years, but wasn't having championship-level success with the Dolphins. Now, maybe he would have gotten there, but were you surprised that it only lasted a couple of years in the no, NFL? No, he couldn't team those guys. It's a whole different world. And to me, that's the difference when you – okay, Saban and Belichick the same person to me. <laughs> and a lot of people can't say that, but – Well, you played for both of them. Yes. That's, that's kind of so, why I started on the Saban trail a little okay. bit, obviously. And, and and yeah, it's a, now if he goes, if he had to come back to, to to the pros, would he be successful? We don't even know. We just don't know. But I know his mentality, you know, to college kids, it's a lot different, you know, compared to guys in the league making, you know, the, the millions of dollars. And you're gonna have the right, 
you know, approach and philosophy for the guys in the NFL. You know, so that's a big difference, you know, between, you know, Belichick and, and Coach Saban. But I know over and over again, just, just what, he, what he wants and what he needs, he get it from the players. He get it from the college guys. I mean, it shows up every year. And it's always consistent. So that's hard to do. So, I mean, the obvious question then, Jarvis, is you did time with Nick, you know, and you, could, you saw what he did and you, saw, you bore the fruits of his success down at LSU. How did it make it easier that you had to go through those eight weeks of hell that you described when you came here? Did you feel like, you know, of course you got a little heads up that they had worked together. Did you feel like, okay, I might be, I, I should be able to, at least I've been through this a little bit. Well, I'm one of the guys that Coach Saban destroyed my mental capacity of anything because off a few things that happened when we met and I remember like my first meeting when I went into the office I had blonde hair and all that so people heard the story <laughs> before and I remember it was, it was, it was I know a, the blonde hair story yeah and it was like it was like the first um no it was the weekend when he came in as, as the head coach you know and I remember I sat right side of coach Nader uh, he, he he was a guy who'd been there for 45 years, retired. He was like, hey, uh, coach wanted, wants you to sit right next to him. I'm like, for what? I don't want to talk to him. you know. And, and I'm sitting there, and we went out. We, we went at it for like the entire night. And then I took the recruit out. We all was drinking, having a good time. And then they called me and said, hey, coach, want to meet you before the big team meeting. Like, this is the first official team meeting at LSU. I'm like, God, what does he want? I get there. He chewed me out for like 40 minutes. For what? He was well. I mean, I walked in. What'd I mean, you do? I didn't do anything. I walked into <laughs> the room. Like, sounds like one of the kids. I didn't do anything, yeah, Dad. No, I walked into <laughs> the room and I had my blonde hair and he had his back turned. He had the little he had the little button thing on the door to close the door automatically. Coach Nardo <laughs> didn't have that. I'm like pretty cool, and uh, he said, "Sit down." His back turned, looking at the Bernie Moore track, LSU. That was the old administration building, and um, he turned around and said, "You know, do you want to play in the?" Bleep in the NFL? I said, hell yeah, coach. He said, take that blonde, you know, out of your hair. I'm like, okay. And from there, he just started chewing me out, chewing me out. And he was just talking about, I guess, where, where he came from. But he was going back to history, like when he coached for the Browns and the Oilers. And he talked about that the night before. I'm like, I don't want to hear all that crap. You know, we beat the crap out of you at the, at the Independence Bowl. So what? You know, but after that, we had the team meeting. I go to the team meeting, I, I dye my hair back black, you know, walking through, and from there it just kind of started because a lot of people don't know. I met with Saban every week for two years, every week. Why, were you a team captain? Yeah, but he he wanted me to be his inside guy. <laughs> it was more like, Coach, I'm not going to snitch on my guys <laughs> because, you know, it's a different level, players and coaches, but I, I'm going to try to help you as much as I can. You with know, the pulse the, of the team. That's it. And the thing was, he was just asking me little questions more about everybody on the team. And he said it's going to be a transition. He even told me, like, you know, if they don't make it, even like I had a twin brother named Jason. He was a, a linebacker. He said some guys that are good friends and roommates, they might not be here. And I'm like, why? What you going to do? You can't cut us, you know. But he did something unique, and he a lot of guys didn't make it. My twin brother was one of them. But when I say eight weeks, it was like the workouts. Coach Moffitt came back. He's a, he's a Louisiana guy. He came from, I guess, Tennessee or, or Miami, wherever he was at, the strength coach. And he put us through. I, I mean, all my years coming up, you know, playing ball, I've never went through that type of mm. uh, re, a reset. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I can remember one day Ryan Clark said in the game, remember the movie on Matrix when he said, hey, are, are you really breathing air? You know, and we sitting there and we like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And from that. So when you came here, then it wasn't much of a culture shock, if you will. No, it, in a way, OK, it wasn't and it was. Because I had to gain my confidence when I got here because, you know, I went off in, into, the, into left field about saving, but it was more like he told me something about, hey, you don't play fast enough. And I'm like, okay, my first two years at LSU, 15 sacks, 30 TFLs, 100. I was, was going to declare early my junior year because I was like a Mel Kuyper's top 20. And I was going to declare early. And then that my junior year we came into uh, that two-gap defense. That's what – that's where – it helped me when I came here. And when I got here, I'm like, damn, it's like the same defense. I didn't know, you know, before right. that. I didn't see the playbook. And, and they started saying, Cook Romeo was saying this, and I'm like, hold on, I'm reading this. I'm like, this is our defense at, at, at LSU. But it's old school. It's the old traditional two-gap defense. Nobody plays that today because it's a hard defense to play. Absolutely. You know, so when all that was going on and then just – it, things were coming to me, and I'm getting my confidence, and and everything, Bill philosophy's mentality, it was just like Nick Saban. I remember I say something like, "Yeah, uh, you you do everything like Saban," and Bill was like, "No, no, no, I was here first. He does everything <laughs> like me." Well, he worked for him in Cleveland, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that had to make your transition, didn't that? I mean. Okay, I, I got to get my confidence going. I'm mean, now in the NFL. This is, you know, we're getting paid. This is legit. But that had to help you, didn't it, from a transition yes. standpoint? I mean, big time with transition because a lot, I mean, we know this system is hard on both sides of the ball. And a lot of guys that come in, I mean, they have issues and, and problems. And, and I think for me, uh, just getting into the system, understanding what I'm what I, what, what I supposed to do, that it really changed because I know if I would have came from another program to come here, I don't know what the outcome would be. Do you think, I mean, it's probably a stupid question, obvious question, but the relationship between the two is one of the reasons you came here? Only reason why I came here. Only. Did you meet with the Patriots during the, pro, the draft, pre-draft I, process? I pulled, I pulled to be a free agent. I mean. So you're going to declare early after your first two years. A lot has changed. But yeah. That, but when, so did switching into the two-gap system at, at LSU? I hated it. And and that so it drives your stats down. I hated it. I hated it. And so that is that why you felt like your draft stock might have. I hate. I hated it. I mean, at that point, I'm like, I'm about to get out, take care of the family, and do this and do that. And and you know, my mom always said, you know, graduate. That was like a promise. I'm like, mom, I may break that promise. I, I want to go because I remember that. I remember going to my junior year, Mel Kiper. I still got the thing. I got to find it somewhere. In my, you know, and then I'm like 20th pick. I'm like, I'm declaring. And then Saban come in, change the defense up. I said, you know what? Saban come in, I'm going to play my ball and get out of here. Whatever with him, you know. But then I had a high ankle sprain. Some things changed. The defense changed. And, and, and I was pretty good. I mean, I remember running a full 4-5 in front of him. He said, we were talking. And it was him. It was Mike Trickett from Auburn came. It was, it was just like a lot of guys was beefing with the coaches because he's not the guy we wanted, you know, because I remember Mark Emmert. When he was our uh, chancellor, he's over NCAA now. Yep. We all had a meeting. We had a walkout on Coach Donardo. It was me, him, uh, Brady James, uh, Ryan Clark, Robert Raw, all the leaders on the team. And I remember 
Donato, like, you know, I'm going to make all y'all run, you know, whatever. We're like, you better get fired, man. You can't do nothing. I mean, so so all that happened. But then when they when they say, hey, Nick Saban coming in, everybody was pissed. Everybody, not just me. Hmm. Interesting. Now he's the greatest college coach in yeah. history. Right. But so, uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh, with the benefit of time, Jarvis, and boy, that was hard. Um, he might have taken money out of my pocket because, you know, if I'm going to two-gap, my stats aren't going to be what they were. Right. Um, but I got into the NFL. I made it with the team. The team had some success. Therefore, it helped me get some success. Big time. Yeah. I mean, we had can, su- can you look at it now with hindsight oh, yeah. and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I didn't want it at that time, but if I look back on it, maybe it might have been one of the better things that helped get me into the league. Yeah, I'm going to say this, too. The the, the the two years that before Saban came in, we won seven games. That was a that was a terrible taste, bad smell, however you want to want to call it. And when he came in, but I'm gonna say this: he treated us like men, like gentlemen, Nick Saban. And it was just like even like here, like you don't have Bill running around running after people. He gonna let you be an adult, and you pay for your consequences. You know, and Saban was the same way. But I mean, he was like you know, you do your work for respect. You know, so he he always used to say, "Don't don't ever be afraid to ask a question." You don't know what I'm gonna say until until you ask a question. You know, so he he was good to us. We worked hard. That's all he wanted. You know, cause I remember one time he was like, "Hey, I didn't come here to babysit you. I didn't come here to be your mom, your dad. I didn't come here. I just came here to win football." Then you get here, it's it's that that it's the same thing. We well, get here and you just won the Super Bowl. Right. The team had just won the Super Bowl. So you're in a unique position as a rookie getting drafted. Hey, man, I got drafted by the Super Bowl champs. Yeah, it, it was – I didn't know where, where it was at. You know, I remember asking Bill Check. I didn't know what New England was. I knew the area, but I didn't know, like, So what many ta- people what say town. that. It always shocks me. Like, what Everybody town? Everybody says that. He, he was like, you don't, you don't like you, – you, you must have not studied in class. I'm like, it's, <laughs> it had nothing to do with it. But where is – like, where's, where's the Fo- office? Where's Foxborough? Yes. Right. I had no idea. Right. No. Yeah. Um but everything that's saving the transition coming here, it, it was everything helped in between. But it also just taught me how to be a team player, you know, and, and do your job at the end of the day. Do you think you realized, you know, and look at rookies, fourth round pick, you know, you're swimming upstream for a while. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot to catch up on. How long did it take you to realize when you're looking around the huddle and you go, hmm, Willie McGinnis, Richard Seymour? Ty Law, even though it's a different position group. Yeah. I mean, your position, your room was unbelievable, but mm-hmm. Ty Law, Teddy Bruschi, when you looked at what you had there on defense and you saw you know, what you had, did you realize these boys are pretty good? Yeah, um, all of them. I mean, I watched Lloyd Malloy when I was, you know, when I was in high school, watched him play at Washington, the Huskies, and all these guys, and um, it was it was different with Tom because it was Tom. Cause that was that was this is second year when Tom I came in. Tom was nobody then. Right, right. So all the other guys. I remember I used to watch the Desert Storm, Brewski with the fifty two fifty five sacks ECW yep. record. I mean I watched all those guys when I was in high school because I remember I wanted to go to Arizona because of Teddy Brewski. You know you know so so many guys you see them and and it's like okay this is not Tecmo Bowl anymore. These guys are my teammates. <laughs> you know and for the first year some change. I, I was like, I didn't belong here. And I always go back and I tell people, what, what like the question you ask, it's, for me it's the AFC Championship game 2003 when I said, this is my team, you know. I'm not going anywhere, you know. And, and I remember that after that game, people, all even the guys, because it was always tough. I mean, Willie, I sat behind Willie. He, bu- he busts my balls all the time. You know, he busted everybody's. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, Including Seymour, mine. 
And even like Sibo, I saw him a few years ago for, for the for the for the Hall of Fame stuff, and just seeing him. And people don't know this. Me and Seymour, we used to fuss all the time. But when it was time to play ball, we played ball. We was great teammates. We respected each other. And, and I always tell people, I never wanted his job. I just want to be a part of what we had, a team. You know, that's a team. And we was never a team that you didn't have one guy making all the plays. Everybody made plays. Everybody did their job. So just to interject here for a second, Brian, yeah. for younger Patriot fans that might not remember, okay, let's talk about that defensive line 03-04, okay? Richard well, Seymour. Yeah. Ty Warren. Um, Ted oh, Washington oh, oh, was only 03. there for one year, mm-hmm. okay? But then a rookie came in in 04 named Vince Wolfork. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Green. You know, we sit Bobby here. Bobby Hamilton. Bobby, well, Hamilton, you know, only yeah. in that first couple of years. But we sit here today and we think about, geez, the Patriots need some help on the defensive line. How was that defensive line during those years? Yeah, you, guys were, you guys were loaded. Loaded. I mean, even even after Ted was gone, uh, well. Anthony Pleasant, Bobby gone, I mean, we were still, I mean. No. Listen, listen, we had to go get Ted because the failed nose tackle experiment that summer. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Yeah, Bill. Bill like open training camp with him at nose tackle. Yeah, I'm like, what? When I walked in, I'm like, he talked about this in the off season. I'm like, nose tackle. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I'm going against Damian Woody. I couldn't even get around. I was telling him the other day, I couldn't even get around Woody. I'm like, come <laughs> on, man. I was like 305, 310, never in my life. And then I asked Ted Johnson about Ted Washington. He says, I could show a movie on that guy's butt when yeah. I'm standing behind yeah. him. <laughs> that was that was that was. I, I look. I, I I'm a. I'm in my second year, and, and Bill called me, like, the night before, and he didn't have to. I, I meant nothing, nothing. And he was like, hey, look, you know, just out of respect. And, you know, we, we I think he did it because of Saban, just their relationship, I think. And he was like, hey, we're bringing in Ted Washington. I'm like, I'm like thank you. I'm like, <laughs> he said, you get back down to you 280. I was like 310. I lost that weight so quick. <laughs> That's great. I'm like, man. Well, That's you, great. But you must have come in, like, I mean, you talked about having some confidence in the fact that you had played in the defense, but you also, playing that two-gap scheme is a technique thing as mm-hmm. well, and you must have felt comfortable, or they must have felt comfortable enough with you even to even try you at nose tackle because of that. Yeah. Because you knew how to play that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did, and, and also just, I think, just being coachable, you know, just – Understanding my 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 uh, my duties because a lot of defenses I think a lot of time you see things that happen in play bus or something because people get a little a little edgy and try to make the play but like you know like like Belichick and everybody else always like if it's not your play it's not your play no it's gonna come to you do your job that's it. And he'd been saying that for years before they started putting it on T-shirts. I know, no, I, know, I, know, I, know. I know. We were like, man, who the hell? You know, you know, anyway, it was like. I was in that meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, do your job, do your job, do your job. That was it. We, we have my Super Bowl 39 saying that on the sidelines. Right. But, it, but it, so it's not sexy, Jarvis. It's not sexy. At like, all. And it's very, it goes against what a defensive player's instincts are, which are to attack, to pursuit, mm-hmm. and all those things. And then for Shoot gaps. Yeah, and for you to just sit there and take up space. That's really hard to do, and I say that because as you're talking, and you mentioned Seymour, okay, and we fostered everything, but great teammates. You know, in about two weeks, Richard Seymour's going to find out for the third time whether he's going to make get it him, to the man. Hall of Fame. Hope we get it. Give, give, tell people why Richard Seymour is worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Um, they have teams that, that excel and win and kick people butts, you know, through the history of any sports. If you have performers on that team, 
go down to the individuals because that's what the Hall of Fame is about. It's about an individual excelling uh, with great with great teams. And Richard is one of those guys when – not when, the, the Patriots from that time, those years, those streak of years, nobody was running past Richard. He, he, he destroyed everybody that he lined up against. Yeah, he didn't have 20 sack season. We ran a 3-4 defense, you know. But he excelled, and he was an anchor in that defense and that success because those years going, those eight, nine years he played, our defense was very stingy and tough. There was a, there was a comment that I saw, BMO, the other day, and the person who made it <clears throat> said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but there was a time in that 2000 and around 2004 when you guys were going for you know back-to-back championships um, where you could look at the team, and I don't wanna, I'm not taking anything away from Tom. Tom's the greatest who's ever played. But in 2004, you could actually maybe have a debate. Who was the best player on the team? Yeah. And now we look at it and go, oh, it's, it's Tom Brady and everything like that. And he said, yeah. you know what, in 2004, you might have had an argument in 2004 as to who the best player was. Is that a that's not an outlandish statement, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, man. I mean, a defense. I mean, look, defense win championships. I don't care what people say, you know. And I have defenses that you could just put that in, in a question or, or a sentence. I mean, Richard Seymour deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, when we was kicking everybody butt, he was right there on the front line. You know, he deserved it, every bit of it. So, so let me, let me go back then. Because Richard comes here in 01. Mm-hmm. And arguably, I mean, I remember people saying at the Super Bowl that year that he was the best defensive player on the field mm-hmm. for both teams yep. yeah. as a rookie. You come in in 02, so you sandwich the 01 team wins the Super Bowl. Your second year team wins the Super Bowl 03. <coughs> 02, you guys couldn't stop the run. <laughs> okay. do, you rem- do you remember? Like, I mean, I know the personnel was a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Mitchell left, not that he was a superstar player, but um, what's his name came in? The guy, uh, what was the defensive lineman that was playing the nose in 02? A free agent. He was here for one year. Oh, uh, talking about. Um, he was, he talked all the time. Yeah, he, uh, he, he had a big old, <laughs> big old, big old head, bald um, head. But, but you guys, you guys really struggled stopping the run. Do you remember why, what went into it? Because like, uh, the next year it wasn't a problem. The previous year it wasn't a problem, but that year it was. And that was your rookie year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it was the hype from from, from winning, you know, and and being that first taste. And I think some people probably got lax. Okay. You know, um, I think that had to ha- that had to happen. It had to. Uh, that was just the timing, you know. Um, you mentioned the Manning game, Jarvis. When you look back at your career, um, you played in a lot of big games. A lot of important games. Is that the game that you kind of point to and say, you know what, that was my game right yeah. there? Yeah, I was, I was, all twelve cylinders and and playing and understand. You know, like any given Sunday. I mean, I had that moment. Everything was fast. Couldn't hear. Couldn't. You know. You know. Stomach shaky. Butterflies going crazy, and and then everything like just slowed down. Because I remember times like when Vrabel and myself, we out on the field, and even some other guys. I mean, reading lips was, was big for us, just reading lips and just knowing and knowing the plays and understanding the audibles, understanding the checkdowns, understanding what you, the guy next to you is going to do, understanding the guy behind you, you know what you're going to do. So for me, everything came together. On the field, but then, oh, I'm going to say this too. This is one thing I always tell people. I remember the first year and a half, Every game, I was getting six or seven mental errors. Every game, and after that, that 
AFC Championship game, I was probably averaging six month errors a season. 16 games, you know, and that's all confidence, all confidence. That's interesting. Now, do you think, speaking of confidence, do you think in those early years that you had Peyton's number, that the Patriots oh, yeah. had Peyton's number? Oh, yeah, I did too, yeah. I used to call him all the time. No. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just that time, you know. Um, we we had it. I mean, but and then people said, so what happened? Did y'all game plan him different? No. It just he, – he just – he couldn't excel with us. I remember, I remember when the game when he when, – when they beat us, you know, uh, we went to Indy. The AFC, the AFC championship. I think we all had a bug. That right. Game. So you yeah. you were you beat San Diego in the divisional round. Yeah. And then we should have. You up twenty one to three at halftime. We should have right. went. I remember went to halftime and our phones was blowing up, and Bill like cut phones off, and we were like okay back to back to back. That was the year, and would have made history, right? No. Well, you're confusing was... years. You're thinking 05. Okay, see, I'm 05, thinking you lost in Denver. Okay, we would have we, we would have did three out of four. Correct. Yeah. Right. Three out of four. And or four out of five, it would have been. Well, yeah. Four out of six. Four out of six. Yeah. I don't know what happened. We had guys cramping up in the first quarter. Right. I mean, I've never cramped up. I'm always hydrated. I cramped up. I'm like, what is going on? And after that, I don't know, somebody somebody did something. Because the team, we watched the film, we all look so sluggish. And nobody, nobody knows. We lost like eight guys cramped up. You know, is it because they raised the temperature an extra 10 degrees? You don't I don't think know. the Colts would have done that indoors, Pumped in some crowd right. noise. Right. right, right. But that was a crazy – that was that was crazy, man. But I know just just um, the confidence and, and playing and, and know I belong here and uh, just – I mean, I was whatever. I was third down guy. Whatever I could play, I played when they needed me. So you go from the high and the confidence of Peyton Manning was the low – not being able to get Eli down. <laughs> I guess. We got cheated. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't the famous picture, uh, don't they have Seymour around the neck? Then I'm kind of dragging because when that play happened, that was like one of the longest plays ever for that entire year. But, I mean, the entire game, they was holding, grabbing, choking, pulling. I see some of the guys today, they were like, we was holding y'all so much. And we missed five interceptions from Eli, right, through our hands. Uh, maybe it was blown coverage. I really don't know what happened in the secondary. I have no idea. But it's like he should have been sacked. They would have sacked. Today he would have got sacked. You know, it's flag football today. But, but I mean, right. he got through the back of the huddle, and everything just, like, stopped. And there, there was a really interesting uh, thing done fairly quickly after that 07 season where Mike Carey, do you remember Mike, the head referee of the game? Mm-hmm. And – um, oh, I was, remember that. Yeah, and yeah. he was he was on with Rodney, and you know Rodney's still sick of it. it. Can you know barely stomach it even today? And they showed they had the all twenty two, and they showed Carrie, and they showed the play, and you see you guys engulf Eli, and Carrie was talking about it. He sprints up to the pocket where Eli is, ready to blow the play dead. Sure, and he didn't. And he hesitated. That's when Eli kind of peeled out. But yeah. you see, you can see Carrie like run ten yards up to like he's in the grass. We got to blow it dead, and he didn't blow it dead. Oh, and then I and watching all the games like when he got sacked, and I remember Pep, Coach Pepper. He was like, "Look at this guy. He get touchy fall. He get, <laughs> he, you know." So we like, it's gonna be easy to get him down. He's not like a fighting. He's not, he's not a Ben Rostenberger, you know. And uh, 
I still can't say Ben name right. I don't know if I even said it right to this day. <laughs> and uh, I, it just didn't make sense. But again, he was playing for a lot of money too. If he won that game, so I can understand motivation. Is you know, but and, and it's the Super Bowl. It's right. Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Final Everything. drive. Yeah, you're right. That would have been that would have been it though. That would have been the game. Well, and a guy with four catches on the season catches the ball on his head too. I mean, yeah, nobody expected just, that. Right. It's just that was an incomplete. Just pass wasn't as meant well. to be. That was, that was an incomplete. I don't pass. think it was. No. no. Good no. try, though. The no. ball touched the ground. <laughs> Same time. Yeah. Good try. <laughs> I wish it was. Listen, we had a 19 and 0 exhibit planned out for the museum. I'm just, you know, that we didn't get to build. So it's like it's like you know you say where are they now? That would have happened. You know what that would have done. I mean, after that, after that run, people like this will never happen again. New England is done. Great, 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 great success. But I mean, golly, after that. To watch the games and to be a fan now and just watch like again, you know, another Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. So for me, everybody hates me back home. Everybody. But for you, does it? It's got to be with a sense of pride that you look back. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, you had. Yeah, you won it twice. You maybe should have won it a third time. Although, mm-hmm. hey, look, the Giants got paid too, and they played mm-hmm. well that day. Yeah. Um, but to see how the franchise did. Even after you were left, mm-hmm. it's got to be with a sense of pride that you were oh, you were part definitely. of maybe the ground floor, maybe not the ground floor, yeah. but pretty early on. And to see this twenty years success has got to be definitely. I think definitely, man. I mean, just to be part of it. And, and no, I tell people too, like the alumni guys, the other not me, like not the Patriot alum, but other teams. I mean, everybody envy the Patriots just the way they do things. I mean, for us, like being an alumni to come back and all the stuff that they do for us, and, and just to be a part of it. You know, I mean, everybody, we, we bleed it. We leave, we're still bleeding. We're still bleeding, you know, the Patriots' colors. You know, so just to see it and just to, to smell it, to hear it, um, it's a wild factor every time. I mean, I, I did an interview with some magazine that I was talking about when, when, for, when I got, when I got, when I, when I went to Denver, a lot of stuff happened in between, you know, with Bill and myself, agent, and it was so much. And it was like, I had a bad taste in my mouth. I said, I never want to come here again. And then I remember going to the Saints game, and they had me on a jumbotron for a few seconds, and my phone blew up. Cause they had everybody numbers, you know. Phone blew up, you know, some media stuff, and then somebody—I don't know if it was Pepper or Barrett—told me to come to the facility. I'm like, for what? And I get in here, first person I saw was Tom. Then I saw Bill, you know, dry face. We talking, you know. It was more like the passes behind us, the move forward. And I remember leaving the facility crying. After I went, he, he told me to come into the the coaches' room, and I met all the coaches, the ones I didn't know, a handshake, the ones I knew, I bear hug them, and just so emotional that moment. A lot of guys they don't experience that from other teams. A lot of guys don't. We had so much success here, and eight years for me was like a lifetime, you know. And still to this day, to be here talking about the past is like the is like the present for me. Well, you're in business now. Okay, mm-hmm. you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, and so you know it. You know, Bill, famously, this is a business, and there are times that things happen. You mentioned lawyer. You know, lawyer goes. It's a business decision. But but if you can get past that, and who am I to sit here and talk mm-hmm. about whether you can or can't? Because you said hard feelings, and I get that. But I think, Bill, to say that he appreciates what you guys did mm-hmm. and what you accomplished, I think is a grotesque understatement. You're always family. You're always. always going to be family to him, and, and regardless I tell people, of how it ends. And mm-hmm. I tell people, he's a player's coach. Right. Yeah. He may not appear that way publicly, but yeah, he, he takes care of his guys. Right. 
I remember I went to Denver. They ran me into the dirt. <laughs> and I'm like, and I tell guys, look, man, you're a free agent. Just, just think about it. You know, if you're here, just really think about what you're doing. You know, because from, from Bill to the cafeteria, training room, the equipment room, the weight room, everybody takes care of everybody. You know, and, and you miss that when you go to other programs. And did it treat us like a number here? No. No. So that's that's priceless, especially when it comes to physical you know, and, and mental aspect of everything, you know. Well, and I think, you know, we talk about this all the time. I, I look at historically at the league, Jarvis, with mm-hmm. teams that have good ownership generally don't stay down long. The Steelers are always a great example of a yeah. team. They may dip. Yeah. If they come that's back. Part, that's part of the Whereas game. Whereas the right? teams that maybe don't have great ownership, it shows they them. may spike, <laughs> but they don't stay there. They right. go the other way. They're not consistent. I agree. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that when Bill came in here, and especially when Gillette Stadium was built, because the old place, you know, you didn't play in that old Mm-mm. high school stadium that they played in, <laughs> but, the, but the amenities and everything they need to be successful is put in place, and that's because Bill – wanted to make sure everything was in place to be successful, and then Robert gave him that. Mm-hmm. So it starts, I think, at the top, and, and you know, then Bill builds the culture with those things, those tools in place. Yes, yes. I mean, that's, that's priceless hands down uh, for everything, you know. So just being here and just understanding the little things. And, and let me ask you yeah. this, because um, uh, Allen, the tight end that was here a couple years ago. Dwayne. Dwayne Allen. He uh, was over at the Hall of Fame speaking to the fans one time, and and he said, and I think I've asked somebody else about this, but he was talking about when he was in Indianapolis, they came here for the AFC Championship, lost 45-7. to And he, he thought they were going to win the game. Like, he thought, we're every bit as good, if not better, than the Patriots. And he goes, and they blew us out. Mm-hmm. He goes, and I left the stadium that day thinking, how did that happen? He goes, and when I signed here, I realized how it happened, that they just work harder than everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. They just work harder than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Do you think that's true? Yeah. So what did you? How do you compare it to what happened in Denver? Who was your coach in Denver? Josh. Oh, it was Josh. So Josh had the program. Hey, can, can we call him in here? No. <laughs> <laughs> but but Josh didn't bring that element out well, there. Well, you know what? You know what? It takes time too, as well. You got you got to grow a flower. You got to water it. You know. Yeah. You got to take care of it. You got to nurture it. And I think what he got there, people are looking for quick success. And I, I remember when I got. Oh my goodness! It was like it was like. Hell on wheels. I got there, and I'm gonna say this too. If you if you just a coach and not a GM coach, it's like it's like night and day on what you can do and what you can't do. Denver hates Patriots. Patriot staff. Period. Yep. It's personal. Personal. Everything I did from the trainer, even the cafeteria people hate us, but. But but the the strength coach, I don't, I'm not gonna say any names. But when I went there, I remember telling my tell, telling my kids, "Mom, I think I made a bad decision." It was before the season started. Terrible, and they knew I had my situation with my knee, my back, and all. They ran me into the dirt, and they knew this. And I remember, um, I'm sitting there talking to the strength coach. He got me want to squat. Three plates, six, three plates on both sides. I said, Coach, I have not squatted in eight years because of my back. I do bear squats. I do bullet squats, one-legged squats. I'm like, you know, drop you, whatever. I'm not tough. 
You know, he come from the Patriots. You know, y'all better than everybody. That's a strength coach. And I'm like, hey, go talk to the strength coach here in New England. He'll tell you he'd give my whole he – didn't, he didn't give you the paperwork. Because they was going to send all my stuff. He like, who is that? I said, you know who that is. He got six Super Bowl rings. <laughs> so that was my entire six months at Denver. It was terrible. Yeah, hmm. and I think – I'd like to think that – that's Josh's first experience, and he, he don't. I mean, he had no control. Yeah, of that. but yep. but see, I I would say this, and I think you see this, and and you know, Bill did it to a certain extent. I mean, certain guys stayed, but when you go into a situation like that, you have to be able to get rid of everybody yep. and bring your own people in. Yep, yep. You know all right. what? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just like the president, New Biden. He bring all these people in. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. Yep. Last one for me here, uh, Jarvis. You know, I think this was uh, to say that this was an unusual year for Patriot fans would be an understatement. They've been spoiled, quite honestly, with 20 years of success. <laughs> they dip down, um, you know, and things like that. You talked about ownership being on the same page, coaching being on the same page and everything like that. My guess is that you're pretty confident in the infrastructure here <clears throat> that it was a blip on the radar screen, but there's not anybody better that you'd want to try to turn this team around than Bill Belichick. Would that be fair? I mean, who else are you going to bring over here? Right. Hmm. That has the experience. I mean, I mean let's bring a new guy to college over here. Yeah. In That'll Bill, work. In yeah. Bill we trust. Yeah, that's it. In Bill we trust. Well, hey, you mentioned you mentioned how they hated you. They hate you down back home for being, for being a Patriot. Mm-hmm. Is it a respect hate? I always call it a respect oh, yeah, definitely, hate. Definitely, yeah. Like they just hate that you won so much. Oh yeah, the Patriots won. That's why they hate. Oh yeah. I, look, I have my times everywhere I go, and then oh, the winner he shows up. You know, oh, you get the other stuff about some of the seasons when we had the fines and all, and they, and they bring that up about okay, you know, we won. So what? But people don't understand. So yeah, but we got to still play the game, and we. A lot of times you hear about Pittsburgh about being physical. The, the years I played, we was very, very, very physical. We used to beat people down physically. You know, we were, we, we weren't a fast team. Yeah, now that one year we you know had 50 touchdowns, y- y'all got to play better defense. I'm sorry. Right. You know, but we was physical. And I remember sometimes when we couldn't run us, we couldn't run like a like a, bl- a blitz or stunt. And Bill, like, since y'all, or Romeo, since y'all can't run the play, we're going to go three, four base defense. We hate 3-4 base defense. But 3-4 base defense mean 85, 80% of the guys have to win the battle. But it's a, it's terrible. It's the base defense. You play that in the seventh grade. Right. You know, we want to run around stunts and, and, and call games. And the Bills say, tell you running route, I mean, tell you running right or correct, we're going to start doing that, you know. So, but it was fun times because I remember, Buck, I mean, Bruce used to come over to the huddle. Hey, guys, guys, we have a new play. Three, four defense base, <laughs> <laughs> and we did that a bunch of times, and we we did it well. Our no. guest has been uh, Jarvis Green, former Patriot lineman, uh, shrimp and app uh, food ordering app entrepreneur. Best of luck going forward. Be safe. Thank stay you. well. All Thank right? you. Go Good back. to see you. Thanks, Jarvis. Good to Thank see you. Y'all. And it was Steve Martin was the player I was trying to think. Oh, of. Steve oh. Martin. Yeah, <laughs> he he loved to talk. Yeah. Steve. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jarvis. Thank Thanks, y'all. Jarvis. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.